You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Before we start today's episode, I have a message from the New Talent British International Youth Music Competition. The fourth New Talent British International Youth Music Competition is hosted by London-based Amy Rian Academy. The competition is going to take place virtually this year and they are calling for participants from all around the world. The competition is open to performers of strings, piano, woodwind and brass and that means euphonium applicants will also be accepted. Each participant will receive valuable feedback from the jury panel made up of esteemed faculty members of the Royal Academy of Music and the Harold School. On top of that, there are various prizes up for grabs with a total prize fund of £2,100, one-to-one masterclass with jury panel, and invitations to perform at the Royal Academy of Music. So if you play an instrument for between the age of 4 to 30, looking for new challenges and motivations for yourself or your students, head over to ayacademy.net to register and for more information. Link will be provided in the show notes. And now, back to the show. Hello and thank you for tuning in to episode 57 of You Play A What. I hope all of you are well. This week, we continue from where we left off with Benjamin Yeo. On this episode, we spoke about the impact music and arts practice have in a young person and the development of the intangible qualities in their lives. What is the former Music Talent Development Centre, in short MTDC, and the importance of programmes designed to develop the talents of youths? The importance of composing music that is true to him? How composition is a bespoke, quote-unquote, service? His creative process using City of Dreams as an example. How his love for teaching made him walk away from an overseas scholarship. The changes in the music curriculum in schools and much more. But enough from me now. Once again, please enjoy this episode of You Play A What with Benji. So sometimes you just use one, one material, mm. um, and how you develop the material is a skill by itself, yeah, right? Absolutely. And I think people will appreciate that more. Mm. And it helps to sort of bring in coherence, you know, within the music, which is one of the beauty about good writing. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. um, yeah, so all, all this has affected my, my writing, you know, mm. uh, so far. Mm. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, since then, you have embarked on a, a career as a, as a teacher and working in the, the education sort of yeah. sector of the country, right? You've answered so, so many of my uh, questions that I wanted to ask you, you know, how you fell in love with the art form, why you felt it's important to contribute your works to, to this particular art form that is the concert band or the symphonic band. And I, I must say one thing that is, uh, I actually prior to, to leaving Singapore for a couple of years, I have not had a chance to perform too much of your works. But since returning back to Singapore, I have had uh, much more exposure to some of your music. And you do write really, really beautiful euphonium parts. Thank right? you. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this just because you're here. Because, uh, you, you know, as a euphonium player, there are certain pieces and there are certain composers that we particularly enjoy performing their works even though you know it might not be as interesting for the rest of the band you know we have the james bunds 
right? Beautiful, mm-hmm. super fun yeah. Euphonium parts. Yeah. Uh, we have the, the Alfred Reeds that also displayed like a real understanding of what the instrument is able to do in his writing. Not It's not always the most interesting uh, parts for the Euphonium, but there are moments for, for the instrument to really come through and, and it's great. Yeah, and I must say, yeah, your euphonium writing is is good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think that there's one one thing to about your works, especially one thing f- that is fun to play. That's one, and then also fun to listen to for the audience. That's number two, right? Mm-hmm. Some of some of these works sometimes can be fun for me to play, but then when I ask, hey, you know, do you like this piece? And then the audience like, mm, you know, not not kind of kind of my thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that's that. At least uh, my thoughts about your compositions mm. that, that I've played. I, I've not played a lot of them. I've played a few of them, but yeah, yeah that's what, uh, what I've gathered. I, I think I think for myself as well, I when I write, I, I really want both the performers and the listener to enjoy. And this is also something that I I, I recommend for my for my own students, you know, um, because sometimes, you know, as a composer, you know, you just want to write what you, what you think you want to write. Mm. But you know, as you write, um, I think the audience, the listener, um, the the player should be part of the composition process. Mm. You know, um, ultimately for myself, I, I don't speak for all the composers because, as I mean, um, if you have listened to to most of our music, they they are of they are of a certain kind of uh, I would say style. Okay, maybe not style, but I would say I mean it's it's not very avant garde. You know, mm. um. Because I personally enjoy writing uh, tonal music. I enjoy writing music that speaks to people um, mm. because that's how I got myself started and I want to give similar experience to mm. um, uh, other people as well and hopefully to inspire them, you know, yeah. uh, to, to, do, to do the same. Mm. Um, and, and of course, having said that, it doesn't mean that I, I dislike avant-garde or I dislike uh, music uh, without much tonality and, and stuff like that. I mean, I mean they're, they're just of a different, different world. Yes. Um. Different um artistic expectation. They are still mm. beautiful, you know. But the purpose will be quite different from from myself as a composer. So, um. Yeah. I you know. So when people talk to me about composition and and especially when students, you know, when they listen to um uh, compositions by other composers, I I always present both in class. You know, this is the tonal mm. work. This is not so tonal work. And then we talk about what works and what didn't work. Mm. You know. But uh, personally, I I enjoy writing tonal music and. And um, this is what makes me want to write you know, for many yeah. years. Um, mm. Yeah, I think the, the most important thing at the end of the day is to create the, the art that resonates with us, yeah. right? That, yeah. That's ultimately the most important thing. There's no point uh, trying to put ourselves in a mold that don't fit and then we struggle and then we come up with work that is like subpar. Mm. you know yeah, yeah that it that doesn't you, you don't quite really understand what you what you are going after but you're doing this because you heard some <laughs> influences from somewhere yeah and yeah. then yeah it's it's much better that you you do what you do best and you do what that is that is true to you i think i i think yeah, yeah. i think that's this important and yeah. yeah and actually i got reminded of my uh uni days when when i had to write something that is not within my comfort zone you know it's mm. part of my final project so i i wrote a piece of work which is pretty much unlike me okay um if you were to listen to it you cannot believe that it's from me you know that kind of thing it's less tonal for sure mm. but i was i was really very uncomfortable writing it i mean i i, I completed the work yes right. but i didn't feel good about it mm. you know i mean the, the satisfaction that i'm getting from that piece of work as my final project as compared to my other works um mm. it's yeah, it's it's really quite different. Yeah, and and I had to like give myself a break after writing that final project. You know, um, mm. like for example, like you know, I, I think I was writing the music halfway, and then I decided to just okay, whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to touch it for the next couple of weeks. Mm. Then I I went on to write um, a march. Actually, this right. uh, this march is called a uh, play day. Uh, okay. Play day is it's a it's a concert march. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think it was my first concert much written, mm. um, and I and I completed it in three days. Mm. And wow! I I believe the reason why I could finish it in three days is because 
I was going through a very tough process <laughs> right. in my final year project. I just had to like, okay, I'm just going to forget about mine, you know. Okay, recalibrate a little bit, right? I just got to re- So I just sat there <laughs> in front of my, my keyboard, my computer, and I just, okay, I need to do this. Mm. And it was a very nice breather for me. It's like my yeah. comfort food, you know, if I may put yeah. it like, you know, mm. the, the comfort food thing. Yeah. 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 No so, no salads, right? No, no salads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I will always remember that that episode mm. in, in my in my writing uh, career in a way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I, I want to uh, bring us back a couple of years ago, and this could be maybe about 10 years ago. Mm. So there was a period of time when I was a music student here in Singapore, studying at NAFA, that there was also this program that was running in secondary schools called the Music Talent Development uh, Centre for bands on MDTC. And of course, you are part of uh, the team and one of the teachers there. And since then, uh, there's pretty much no youth program that is designed like over a long period of time. Mm. I mean, you have like band festivals, right? That that has been going on for the longest time. Uh, people join... Uh, rehearse intensely for a couple of days, put up a concert. Um, but there hasn't been a, a proper youth program that's designed to develop, um, you know, uh, students with interest or student that has particular uh, higher potential. Mm. Yeah. So why is the importance of having such a program? And, and maybe we can talk about the reason uh, why MDTC started first. And then we can talk about what do you think are some of the essential components uh, to run an effective youth program. Mm. I think the uh, MTDC, the uh, Music Talent Development Centre, um, mm. yeah, it's, I think it started in 2009, something along that line. You mm. know? Um, so I, I think during then, um, the idea was to really value add to existing um, players who are supposed to be sort of stronger, you know, in their performance, um, in, in band, mm. you know, um, and and to really sort of spur them even more, right? Mm. To to really develop the existing talent that yeah. uh, we have. So we had theory classes, we had uh, with performance classes, right? So I was actually part of the program. Um, I was very thankful to be approached uh, during that time to be teaching theory. Mm. Um, the the lessons were were broken down into different various levels. Like we have the beginner level, the advanced level, you know, um, depending on the selection process, right? So I, I was in charge of the beginner level teaching theory at, the, at that stage. Um, a lot of good things from the program, I, I must say. Students actually, for many of them, they, they get to experience learning theory, like like prop, I, I wouldn't say, okay, is it properly or in, in a more... Um, not band theory. Not band right? theory in a yeah. way. Yes. Yes. So it, yeah. it's, it's a unlike... conventional yeah. uh, music theory, right? It's a yeah. music theory class. Yeah. Yes. So you get mm. to learn like like I, I think at that time we were looking at the ABRSM ish, right? Kind of a, mm. a theory setup like grade one, two, three, four. So um yeah, I, I get to teach um some of those, you know. And and I would say that these uh, this kind of theory lessons, they, they do value add quite a bit to the students who may not have had that experience in band especially. Mm. Um, and we always try to link uh, how theory eventually will help them in the performance. So it's not just ABRSM theory classes. It, it is not. So we, we do introduce things like um, understanding about band instruments, uh, mm. understanding transposition. Um, this will be very helpful. For example, if you are the, you know, a student leader, SL or or student conductor who may need to transpose certain parts at, at, at certain times, you know, mm. in the year. Um, and and we also learn about a little bit of band history, right, about the Singapore band scene. We, we do cover some of, of those stuff in the class. Mm. Um, so definitely value adding to, 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 the, to the program, to the students. Um, and I think it's been pretty successful uh, for, for a couple of years. I, I'm not too yep. sure exactly why, because I, I didn't stay... A very long in the program, uh, I must say. I, I was there from 2009 to 9, 10, about four years, right? To mm. 2012. Then after that, I, I left because of my other commitments. I, I really cannot commit my time mm. so much, right, to, to the program. Um, mm. And then after that, the, the program sort of halted, you know, um, mm. for whatever reasons. I, I have no idea really, you know, so okay. I, I wouldn't be able to give you an answer for, for that. Right. Um, okay. But I believe in, in those... Um, 
the beginning years of the program, it has uh, really uh, given uh, great opportunities to students, um, not just performing with their own band members, but also to perform with the other schools, right? Because mm. um, this MTDC is really open up to, to all schools in Singapore. So they, they really get to meet students across the island, yeah. right? With various standards, with various uh, cultures to, to share. So mm. it, it is a, a very health, healthy program. Um, mm. And they, they, have, they have like a concert, you know, at the end of each uh, run of the program, right? Mm. And typically they're held in the Esplanade which is probably a super cool thing for, for students, yep. right? To be playing Absolutely. at the for the first time. Yep. So there are, uh, you know, uh, really a lot of plus points uh, to this program. And, and I hope that something similar can, can continue, you know? Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and was this program free for anyone that passed the audition? Or did they have to contribute a fee? Um... I think it is free, as far as I remember. Mm. It, it is run by the Ministry of Education. Right. Uh, so uh, during the time when I was a tutor, a theory tutor, I was like uh, communicating with uh, the arts education branch. Mm. Um, so they, yeah, it, it, it's not really a, a simple job at all, you know, for them. I, I can see for them sure. running here and there, you know, mm. at the admin here and there. So I, I think they're yeah. really doing a lot of great stuff. Um mm especially during the MTDC period, right? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, with this thing about pricing and whether we should charge money for programs like that, I think, I, I just feel like we have it good here in Singapore. We have it way too good in, in, in Singapore. Yeah. And uh, the, the fact that we had this period of time whereby we run a free program for students to get to explore uh, their sort of musical developments and uh, learn a, a, a much more about being in a band and much more about music. Zero contribution from, from the participants is, is really something like yeah. quite spectacular, <laughs> to, to be honest. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think our students are really quite um, lucky, mm. you know, um, and they, they're willing to appreciate that they are having so, so many good things for them, you know, mm. uh, with our education system. I think the reason why... Um, it is not so so called chargeable because we are also trying to promote, uh, the art in a way, right? Mm. Uh, trying to promote um, uh, people, more people playing the instrument, and even in schools, they don't really have to pay for the instruments. Well, they they may have to pay a certain sum today, maybe for some schools they need to pay a certain sum of money for, for maintenance for I don't mm. know inst uh, uh, instruction on an instrument. Mm. Um, but I think they're still very lucky compared to many other countries. You know, when, when yeah. I visit uh, other other countries or I, I meet uh, directors in conference and when they ask about the band program and and when I tell them that, you know, all the instruments are so-called, you know, given to them, right? During their period of study, they'll be like shocked, yeah. you know, because their own students, they, they have to like buy their, their instruments themselves yep. to pay for their tuition fees. So mm -hmm. I think in Singapore, we are really, really lucky and students yep. need to stop... Um, in absence for, for Ben. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So, yes. you know, yeah. they are really taking things for granted, you know. Yeah, so definitely. So, that is something I think they, they need to be aware of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, let's uh, go back to, you know, some of the, the things uh, that you think are critical to the development of a, a young person trying to value add to them in, in a way, right? So, of course, we have the the musical side of things that we know that for sure this is going to to develop them uh, or make them better musicians or give them better knowledge about music or band. What are some of these other, the intangible stuff, the, the soft skills that a young person can get out being more engaged as a arts or music practitioner, you think? Mm. Okay, I, I've got a, a Chinese teacher, uh, a Chinese colleague, you know, uh, whoever, I mean, she, she commented on um, students about students learning music. Like, um, you know, in, in Mandarin, they will say like, you know, uh, mm. you know yeah. this is what she, she, she told me. Like, mm. basically, you know, right, students who, who learn about music or in arts in general cannot be as bad, right? Cannot be that bad, right? Because mm. there, there are certain things that they, they learn through the art form, which I think is, is really very special for, for, you know, the art scene, right? Um, I think one thing about like, Playing the band, you know, they learned a lot about um, communication, right? How to uh, not just communicating with your 
your your your seniors or juniors, but musical communication, the idea mm. of working together, um, how important it is uh, to achieve musical excellence. All right, and as in the, the process of achieving musical excellence was to help them in in their studies. Um, there's something that I always tell parents um, when I see them, you know, and, and I insist that, you know, in, in the band program, the, the directors, the, the current band students need to speak to the parents and let them know about the program and how the program actually helps the students' development in terms of the character and in terms of their study. And, and one uh, very, very common thing I will cite, uh, and this is not new, by the way, I, I got this from um, uh, Maestro Jack Stan. Um, in you know in in music, um, at least in our local band scene, right? In, in our music scene, um, when we play music, we always try to achieve hundred percent, right? You play the correct notes, you play the correct intonation, the correct tone, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, in studies, you get A one, as long as you get seventy five percent. And to students, yeah. to parents, or oh, this is like well, wonderful, you know, uh, why not get ninety percent? It's fantastic, right? Yeah. But, you don't say this kind of thing to music students. Mm. You don't say, all right, you play 75% of the correct notes, it's going to be a wonderful performance. You play oh, 90% oh. correct notes, it's a wonderful performance. Yeah. You, don't, you don't say things like that to them yeah. because you know it's not, right? And, <laughs> and I've, uh, I've, I've done that live with um, parents before, right? With, yeah. with the band in front and then, and then explain to the parents, okay, and, I, mm. and it's not even prep, you know? I mean, I, I did tell the students that I will be doing this, but I didn't tell them what to do like exactly mm. what to do you know so yeah. I, was, I, I still remember I, I would play through a simple chorale and then I would just tell the student okay in your score uh, you know can you make sure that you you play 75% correct notes the rest mm. of the notes just do what you want mm. right you can play a wrong note and stuff like that yeah. and so when they played together with just mm. 75% correct notes you know, mm. it's horrible, <laughs> yeah. right? You, you can Absolutely. just imagine that. So yes. I played through, like, play everything correctly. Then after that, I, I demonstrated to the parents that, you know, this is a A1 performance, right? 75%. Mm. Let's see how this is like, okay. right? So, you know, after listening to, to that, I think the parents will be like, oh, this is like, you know, to, to them, it's like, wow, this is amazing. Like, you know, how mm. it is so important when we tell students you need to practice your part, you need to get everything correct because they will translate yeah. that to their studies as well, right? Mm. Um, uh, to make sure that they are really on task, you know, to hand in work on time. You know, these are things that is, is part of the 100%, right? Mm. Uh, to be yeah. meticulous in their work, mm. right? Uh, the way you paragraph, you know, things like that, the way you put a comma, the way you put a full stop, this contributes to the 100%. So mm. these are soft skills that they can translate, you know, in the musical understanding, from their musical understanding to their, their academic studies, right? Um, yeah. So this is something that, and, and you know, through, through that process, parents begin to understand the importance of uh, uh, being involved in a musical activity, right? Mm. Um, exactly. And of course, they, they learn about teamwork, they, they learn about leadership, mm. right? Like how I shared with you earlier, you know, when, when I experienced my, my, my secondary school band days, my JC band days, you know, mm. Especially my GC band days, I got to lead in certain projects. I got to put up a concert. Um, I, I get to go through all, all these. Uh, I learned about communication, right? To listen to other people, right? In, in a group setting, uh, mm. to listen to what they have to say, uh, to discuss, and then to come up with a solution. Same thing goes for music, right? When you play in an ensemble, uh, you listen to the various parts, right? To communicate. Like you, you play the melody. But there will be times where you could take a step back because other people need to speak. Yep. Right? So that's when you learn how to soften down, you know, so that other people can shine and not dominate the entire line. Mm. You know, so these are things that um, you don't really see in textbook. You, you experience it. Maybe you need some people to remind you about this to, to sort of create that little connection. Mm. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, definitely, I think... Being involved in the music activities is really a, a wonderful thing, you know. Mm. Um, and, and I think if the whole nation can learn, or if the whole world can learn about music, I think the world mm. will become a better place. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. I, I th yeah, I think you know people always talk. You mentioned this about teamwork, right? And and one one thing I think it's I don't know if it's a, a conscious thing if students realize this or it's they've just been doing it and it's so ingrained in this act. Uh, activity that we call uh, 
band practice or band rehearsals, right? That we are part of something bigger than ourselves, right? We are contributing to something that is bigger than ourselves. It's different because to, to our academic studies because, uh, of course, we study, we get the result. That's, that's ours, right? As an individual. Mm. Of course, you get project works, you get some sort of collaboration sometimes, but in a band, what you do affects the rest of the band. Like you said, if you don't play a true piano, you you know distort the balance, mm. and uh, if you don't play on time, you throw everything off. You don't play in tune, you throw some things off. So everything that you're doing not only affects yourself. It's not like you can say, oh, but it's just me, right? Everyone is doing well. I'm the only one that's not doing well, and it's okay because mm. it's my progress. Not really because if you can't function properly in that group setting, you kind of you affect the whole dynamic of the, the group and the performance. Yep. And uh, of course, uh, people can also say that, oh, then isn't that uh, a little bit similar to, to team sports? Uh, yes, I would say, so to a certain extent. But at the same time, in music, it is something that we don't keep score, mm. right? It's not competitive in that sense. It's competitive in a way when mm. we go for music competitions, we want to do our best, but it's not that competitive, right? So it's, yeah, there's this kind of like longer journey that's about, you know, I need to become better, I have development and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of uh, profound impact would, uh, on on students who, who somehow have some kind of um, arts training yeah. and learning in, in their life, right? Mm. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about your, your creative process. Uh, I mean, I, I get that most of your your work are, are commissions. Mm. So usually, with with commissions, you you have a set of briefs, right? Uh, your the commissioner would tell you that it's of this length, it's for this sort of group. Uh, I want that that sort of music to be like so and so. So, um, what is your is there a difference in the, your creative process in in receiving a commission work versus writing something that is like, or do you write anything that is, you know, for for your own, for fun, that mm. is not a, a commission project? Um, okay, I, I think this depends a lot on who the commissioner is. I think the fact that they are approaching you, that means they do enjoy the way you write. Otherwise, mm. they, they will not even approach you, right? So mm. I, I don't really have to tweak the way I, I write because this is what they want in a way. And this, this is my voice as well, you know, at the same time. Mm. So I don't really have to like take my way through, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so um, I, I think I've been quite lucky so far with uh, the commissioning projects. Um, I don't really, okay, I, I didn't think, let me think. No, I don't think so. I don't think I have received any um, like very strict restrictions from um, the commissioner. So typically they will tell you, um, or we are looking for a fanfare, you know, we are looking for an opening work, we are looking for a chorale. Um, mm. uh, can you write something for my group, right? Um, and and definitely on, on my end, usually I, I'm the one who will ask them, um, what, what is your age group? How long have they been learning their instruments? Um, mm. Do you have any uh, people in the band that you want me to feature? Like, for example, do you have very strong flautist or strong trumpeter? then probably I'll have to think of, you know, writing something for them, you know. Mm. Um, so these are things that I will um, ask them. Um, I will also ask them to, if possible, you know, send me some samples of uh, the, the band's recording uh, so that I roughly know uh, what level um, the band is at. You know, I, I think I, I need to be responsible as a composer. Um, if, if someone uh, commissions me to write something, I need to write something that will be suitable for the band, that will make the band sound good. Mm. Um, I need to put my um, test, I, okay, I wouldn't say testing and trying out kind of thing inside. Um, you, you know, some some composers, they, they will just write whatever they, they feel that they need to write because, uh, you know, they, they just want to impress, you know, Mm. Like, and then they would just throw in little things, you know. But right. but you 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 wouldn't want to mess up the piece. You wouldn't want to mess up for the for the group. Um, mm. so I I'm actually very careful when it comes to uh commission works because I really really want the the director the performers to enjoy every single moment in the music. 
Mm. I mean, that's the reason why you're commissioning me to write because it's something mm. so personalized, right? Yeah. For, for the group. So uh, definitely, you know, um, I this kind of communication you know, will, will take place. Um, uh, thankfully, so far, uh, they, they didn't really come back to me with major changes. Um, <laughs> right. So I, I'm glad that, you know, it, it worked for them. Uh, right. Usually, mm. it's, it's, it's quite straightforward. I give it to them, they take it, and then they will, you know, continue to, to rehearse. Mm. Um, but of course, once in a while, they will let me know, okay, this note is a bit too high for my player. You know, so for example, if they say, can you write something like a grade two, grade three-ish, right? Mm. And of course, I, I will have my own set of uh, a template, you know, yeah. for... So okay, rubrics kind of thing. Rubrics, like yeah. in terms yeah. of range, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, like for example, clarinet, you know, um, typically clarinet, you know, if you're in a, uh, let's say, um, a grade, grade three work, you know, um, I can explore up to, you know, uh, high, high E, high F, you know, that kind of thing. But maybe if sometimes just for that, band right maybe mm. that player is not strong enough mm. you know you know when, when we talk about like grade three it's it's a very overall thing it's a generic yes. thing right Correct. it's yeah. not like you can strokes huh? yeah so yeah you may be writing a grade three piece but actually you know you got to write a grade two for the trumpet you got to write a grade one for the fortis because it's, mm. it's just a week right yeah. so it's, it's not a one one size fits all kind of thing so you you need mm. to have a certain sense you know how this grade three is going to be like um, so I, I do have a uh, commission commissioners that the band director is writing back to me to say, okay, adjust this, adjust that, you know, and, and typically I'm, I'm okay right, mm. to, to do the various adjustments because ultimately it's really for them. Right. Um, so, I mean, uh, this is the commissioning part. I mean, for myself, you're about to write something uh, for fun, mm. like play day, you know, right. I just need to get out of that thing. Um, yeah. So, so I just need to be clear. I, I will use a generic kind of a, a guideline, right? If I want to write something mm. that is suitable for grade two, two and a half, then I will be looking at range. Um, my choice of key will be important. Um, mm. uh, how I write certain lines, do I do big lips? You know, that, that kind of thing. I'll, I'll be more conscious about that uh, mm. for the general audience, uh, general performance. Yeah. So... Yeah, so that, that's the difference. But, you know, in terms of the style, um, I would say it's pretty much the same, right? I, I do enjoy writing both commissioned and non-commissioned works. Although nowadays, I hardly write non-commissioned works. Um, mm. uh, mainly commissions, yeah? And yeah. Uh, arrangements, yes, once in a while, I do enjoy doing some arrangements. In fact, mm. recently, I, I've done more arrangements than composition. Right. Uh, I have one uh, commissioned project from the States uh, coming up. I deadline is like in two months I, I, I have not started anything and <laughs> and um yeah so so he i mean the the commissioner was pretty straightforward in what he, he wanted so mm. he he wants an opening work he sends me a few clips of the band and you know i just got to write something right that, that is suitable yeah mm. yeah, yeah so mm. and i i think uh, the way you describe, the way you approach this, um, your your composition and how bespoke it is to each of the the commissioner, it's, uh, it it should really be the way, right? Because like you say, it's absolutely it's not a one size fit all. And imagine like going to a tailor to get a nice suit done, and then they give you just extra baggy everything, yeah. and then you're just like, mm, everything <laughs> just seems really right. bulky and it's not quite for me, right? Yeah, yeah. And now for the creative process, now, you know, what, what are the, the steps that you go through? Is it like, do you conceptualize first, then do some research and then start writing? Is writer's block a thing for you or do you just power through them? How do you work through all these things? Yeah. Wow. Um, I would say the biggest uh, writing process or the, the biggest thing that we need to think about is the deadline. Uh, this, this is true for so many things. Um, mm. even Dr. Kelly Tang was telling me, like, you know, when I asked him, like, oh, what, what is your biggest inspiration or how do you plan and stuff like that, then he'd be like, the deadline, right? Um, which, which is so true, you know, um, because for myself, I, I often faced a writer's block. In fact, almost every single time, I would definitely have a, a, a period of writer's block. It can be as long as one to two weeks, it can be as short as one day, two days. Um, mm. um, I think... Mm, planning is so important. Uh, I, I, I cannot speak for all composers, but I think different composers have got their different ways of planning. You know, maybe I can talk a little bit about City of Dreams. Mm. Um, City of Dreams is, um, I would say, one of 
the pieces of music that I felt like I, I want to give up. You know, um, I mean, to be very honest, because um, the deadline was near and I was really unsure. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I had my personal doubts. I mean, to be honest, I, in fact, I, I think for all composers, they have their personal doubts. Um, I yeah. always doubt, like, you know, um, will I be able to write something as good or as strong or as stable, I, I you know, as maybe my, my previous works, yeah. right? I will always think about that. Really hold up against yeah. what you have written in the past, right? That is yeah. right. So mm. I, I think this is, this is, um, this has always been my fear when I write mm. music. Um, and, and I think for City of Dreams, it, it has come to a point where I actually go to the, uh, I think that time was the president of the Band Directors Association. So City of Dreams was actually commissioned mm. by the Band Directors Association. Yeah. Um, so the president then, you know, commissioned me to write this. Um, and I did had a, I had a conversation with him. Uh, like, you know, maybe um, I, I can write part of it and maybe somebody else can take over. You know, because I, w- I really wasn't sure. And I didn't want to, to fail the project. In mm. a way, I, I didn't want to, you know, let like, people down. Let people like down. Yeah. I, I cannot tell them like one week before the deadline. I'm sorry, I, I cannot do it. it it's just yeah. irresponsible, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and this cannot this cannot work. So mm. of course, in advance, you know, when I sort of like I foresee do I have enough time, because mm. it's a long work, you know, mm. and and I'm actually quite uh, I'm I'm actually quite pleasantly surprised by the outcome of um, the the whole work, mm. um, so. Um, with the idea in mind that I need to write for the BDA uh, band, uh, that was actually, I think, for a celebration. Uh, and I think it was the 60th or 65th, I cannot remember, an anniversary mm. celebration Okay. Um, for the band scene, right? Uh, for Band Directors Association. Um, so I had to think of what to write that is meaningful, uh, not just meaningful for every single one in the world, but mainly meaningful for Singaporeans, mm. for band directors, for band students, um, you know, um, something that that resonates with them, right? Yeah, that we so, get it the moment we see it, yeah. or the moment we play, right? Yeah. yeah. So actually, a lot of uh, the planning process, the ideas uh, stems from the experience that I've had as a musician in the band. Because I want to sort of talk a little bit about the historical side of things. I didn't want to go so much in depth that it becomes meaningless, but at least make some awareness. So you will notice that, uh, you know, for for City of Dreams, which is actually a uh, three-movement suite, mm. um, I actually started writing the March first, which is the third movement. So okay. um, I, I, I didn't write the first movement first. You know, it's not like in a chronological order. So I started writing with something that I'm comfortable with first. I think to me that's important. Mm. Um, and I enjoyed writing marches actually at that point in time. So I thought, you know, I'm just, I just got to do something that, that I'm familiar with first. Let's get mm. it, you know, sorted out first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I wrote a march, and and I, I thought to myself, okay, what what is going to be interesting in this march? You know, definitely it's going to be something that is uh, joyous, right? Something that's lively, mm. something that is uh, optimistic, mm. right? Uh, and at the same time, meaningful inside, uh, meaningful for the players to play. And mm. maybe some of the things that they play in the music brings back certain memories, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I've got a number of musical quotations inside the music. Mm. Uh, you, you do hear a little bit of a, uh, the this, our national anthem here and there. Um, you do hear music that was set pieces that was performed before, right? You do hear a little bit of Sunrise and Safari, mm. if you remember by Adam Gob inside. But yeah. actually, it's just an, uh, I, I mean, I it's just an open fifth. You know, if you remember mm. uh, yeah. Sunrise, you know, where it started with that open fifth. Yeah. But yeah. I, I wouldn't I, say... I played that open fifth. Yeah. So yeah, I re- yeah, I remember so that very clearly. It's just an interval, right? An open fifth. Mm. But how you actually plan the interval in the music so that it reminds you of the sunrise is another thing, right? Mm. So... So it's, it's, it's not just a copy and paste, you know, yeah. right? I, I got to be aware of that as well. So I just went yeah. around with the open fifth and people, because it's, it's such a, a memorable opening for so many bands, right? Because mm. they, they had their fifth uh, interval wrong most of the time, right? <laughs> it's too flat or too sharp. Yeah, and, exactly. And this is one thing about yeah. set pieces, right? It's there, it's, mm. it's, it's like planting bombs, you know? So I planted uh, Sunrise in there, um, yeah. Uh, you do hear a little bit of Singapore sweet in there, you know, the mm. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I planted a Blue Ridge Saga. That was probably my favorite mm. portion. I just planted a whole phrase of Blue Ridge. But, but of course, it's not the whole thing. You know, it's yeah, it's in a minor key uh, as part of the, the counter melody, you know, it, it might be. So it, it's, mm. it's actually quite fun. I, I must say the exploration of the, the planning process. Sometimes when I compose, I will smile to myself, wow. How did I even come up with this? You know, it's a one-off <laughs> thing. Let me just enjoy it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah, so so it, it was fun. Um, so so the march is really more of the uh, an optimistic um, uh, approach, right? Like uh, the style mm. and all, and and of course, in terms of the structural um, planning of the march, was pretty straightforward. Um, with uh, in the various sections of the music, first string, second string. Uh, I mean, that, that's pretty much standard. Um, and I also had sections where you, you hear some kind of uh, SF band marches in the middle, you know, because all these, um, I mean, groups like this, uh, like the SF band, they are they're so important, you know, in, in mm. part of our band history and, and even band development, right? I mean, without without the band scene, you know, um, I don't think we have uh, wonderful players in, right now in, in the SF bands because it's, it's mm. part of the group, right? You, you, were, yeah. you were once a bandsman and after that you joined the band to contribute. So yeah. these are things that I will uh, plan, you know, uh, to put in, in my, the, the march itself. Um, then, of course, you have the, after writing the march, I, I actually wrote the uh, Remembrance, uh, which is uh, the middle slow section. Mm. Uh yeah, with the euphonium solo. With the euphonium yeah. solo, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, dedicated mm. to uh, uh, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, the late Mr. Lee Kuan Yew. Um, yeah. I think it, it was also quite appropriate, I think, during that time as well. Mm. You know? um, so um, the choice of instruments, um, what to write in there, actually affected my, my, my plan for the second movement. It opens with uh, the Majula Singapura um, uh, opening verse mm. in a chorale setting so if you listen very carefully it's it's actually the opening of the national anthem mm. uh, and then it developed into a chorale yep. uh, you you do hear uh, bugle calls inside as well um, mm. uh, okay last post you know uh, yeah, if you've played post. before you know last mm. post it's basically we, we play that uh, ceremonies and funerals mm. and it's it's built inside uh, the the music to to pay tribute right to uh, mm. Mr. Lee and of course, the choice of euphonium um, has got its roots with uh, uh, actually, missed, uh, I mean, our, our current prime minister, mm. he used to play the euphonium. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, it's to to me that's how I also choose my instruments. I mean, I could have written it for something else, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I yes. just wanted to make it a little bit more relatable. So you know, I thought, and euphonium just nice. It's a, it's a beautiful instrument. So to to play the mm. lines in, in the register. Yeah. Um. And then you have like fragments of the the Malaysia's national anthem. There's a little fragments of it, and then after that, mm. echoed by the the trumpet fanfare of the Majula Singapura. You know, just to signify separation. So, I, I would say that um I spent a lot of time thinking about the second movement. Mm. You know, um, and, and of course, let's not forget the the rain as well, which actually oh, yes. happened on, on right. the day itself, right? Yeah. Uh, of uh, yeah, that's right. In so, in, in the ceremony. Mm. So yeah. it, it started off with that rain, right? The rain effect. Mm. Um, yeah. That that the start of the rain effect was actually the beginning, you know, um, of the, I mean, the national day parade that we, that we had. I think it was mm. raining as well, and then yeah. you hear the rain at the start. You hear the rain at the end, um, mm. and the end is really more of you know the the day of uh, the, the funeral day, right? Um, mm. Where the nation actually you know sends off uh, uh, the late Mister Lee Kuan Yew, and it rain as well. So mm. in a way, it's it's like a little nice closure in terms of the chapter you know i i yeah. use the ndp rain as the opening of the chapter and, and the funeral as the, the last part of the chapter and mm-hmm. and i ended the the movement with three notes on the chimes uh the chibula bells right um mm. b d and a which stands for band directors association b there you go. yeah right so these are things that i i mean it, it's very strange because i i don't plan every single moment of the music at first but mm. somehow one section leads to another uh, and a section can provide opportunities for new ideas. Mm. And somehow okay. everything just clicked together. You know, um, the BDA signature at the end wasn't exactly very intentional, but because I was like looking at the score, I still remember looking at the score and I thought something was really missing. Mm. And I was studying the, the chord that I've written. And I was like, this, this looks like a, you know, a nice moment where I can insert that I think it was a G major chord you know, with an A and then after that 
Mm. And it will end pretty well, you know, with that hanging A, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it fits so nicely, you know. Mm. And and I thought, hey, this is a, a good opportunity to really sign off, uh, you know, from the Band Directors Association because they were the one who commissioned me the, right. the music, right? Mm. So it's like they, their tribute to this. So I think it takes a lot of, uh, not just planning, but a lot of luck and a lot of where, where the music will eventually lead you to. Mm. So I, I thought the second movement was really quite meaningful for me. Uh, mm. If you ask me to compare, you know, all three movements. And of course, the, the first movement is just that it's, it's a fanfare. Right. Uh, with just introducing how our, our first SY started. Because we are really talking about Bansi, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you hear the motivic idea at the opening of our first ever set piece. And what, what, what is it actually? Day, daybreak and Sunrise. Okay. Yeah, right. they, they bring in sunrise. Right. Yeah. So you, you hear that motivic idea and then it expanded into a, a fanfare later on in the, mm. at the end of the movement. Yeah. Mm. So that sort of like, you know, gelled up the entire whole three movements. You know, you have the beginning and then you go through the middle section and then you have the uh, very optimistic future. It is right. one of the, the bigger works that I, I feel most. Um, mm. It is not published. Uh, I, I didn't send it for any publication consideration. I just held it within know our uh, within myself like you know it's with me if you want to play mm. you can come to me and then you know yeah yeah so i i'm actually glad that um a lot of uh quite a number of adult groups uh advanced groups i would say school mm. groups and community groups i i would think that they have had the experience of performing yeah and me too i i performed the work with the philharmonic bins oh. uh, earlier part of last year okay it was a uh, and I, I think you were in the audience as well, maybe, uh, with a Japanese band as well. So we, ah. we shared half the concert, and this the City of Dreams was one of the works that we we did. A, it mm. was a combined kind kind of project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, really interesting because I I I do remember everything that you you have just mentioned, and mm. and hearing them from you now, everything just some of them were were obviously more apparent. Some of them were like little Easter eggs, right? That mm. you just like <laughs> showed to me is that like oh, okay, so yeah, actually yeah, lots of thought. And very meticulous in a way, like everything is designed, everything is planned out. Mm. Yeah. So for for people who are listening out there, composers don't just go onto their computers and just start typing, and then yeah. like, <laughs> things come out. Right. The the amount of layers and 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 the, the amount of thought that goes into a work is yeah. a lot. Mm. Yeah. If we were to take off all the reins, right mm-hmm. now we, we talk about you know the highest of uh, wind bands competitions, right? We talk about WMC. Concert division, okay. If you are to be commissioned to write a piece for that, right? No restrictions. We give you as much or as little time as you want. What would you do? I have never thought about that actually. I I think we I will still go back to the the purpose for the competition. I I think because obviously if you were to take part in a concert division in WMC, you you are of a certain level, right? Mm. And and to me again, um, writing music that is meaningful um, for the performers and the listener is very important. It is going to be part of my process in writing. Mm. Um, so I don't just write for like just artistic reasons, you know. So very much you will still hear my style, you know, in, in there or my kind of music in there. Um, but definitely I will be very adventurous. I, so in terms of limits, right, you know, we talk about working with limits, like uh, previously if I write for grade two, grade three, then I would have that kind of limits. Mm. Um, I would say that if, if I were to write for WMC, you will still hear some part of me inside, right? Uh, but you will hear a lot of the other part of me, which I, I will definitely explore. You know, right. So you have not had a chance to display. I have right? had not a chance to display. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I may include instruments that I've always wanted to write for and may not be in there. Mm. Uh, in a typical band piece. You know. Right. Um I would definitely take the opportunity to write in sound worlds that that may never be that may not be heard, you know, in, in the Western world. Right. Mm. Um because that, that is what makes me because I, I cannot be writing as like, you know, I'm a Singaporean. I, mm. I do not want to sound like another European. I yeah. do not want to sound like another, you know, American, right? Mm. So there, there are places in, in my career uh, during the publication process where I feel that, you know, it needs to be a bit more American uh, for certain part of the music, uh, mm. for certain reasons, but I, I seem to sound myself. Yeah. 
So I, I will probably take the take the opportunity to explore some of the ethnic instruments. You know, I, I think it's gonna be fun, not just for, mm. for them to listen to, but it, it will be fun for me. Yeah. You know, um mm. to to really write something that that is not so comfortable for myself. Yes. You know, uh, I, I think so far the I, I've written for Kucheng before, you know. Mm. Um and, and maybe maybe that's for another day. But uh, right. I think this Kucheng thing was actually commissioned by part of a band work, you know, uh, mm. by uh, Sinmin Secondary School many, many years ago as part of their anniversary celebration as well. So they wanted okay. to feature the, the, the performing arts group. So I, I write for the band and I included a second movement for the Kucheng. Mm. You know, uh, and and it was it was a very interesting collaboration because I collaborated with a lyricist, which, uh, he, I mean, he wrote uh, the lyrics to my melody uh, for, for the Kucheng, you know, yeah, but, okay. Yeah, so that that was fun. You know, I, right. I I got to really learn a little bit about the instrument and stuff like that. You know, um. So, yeah, I I would really take the chance to to learn and to to write. Uh, probably my next biggest work. You know, mm-hmm. if I to write something for WMC, but right. but it comes with a lot of stress. I must say. You know, for sure. When, yeah. when you are writing something like that, because the whole world is gonna listen to it. Yeah. And and you, you never know what they're gonna say. Exactly, right. and and it's not it's not gonna be something that they are familiar with. That yes. is where the tension is, right? It's Probably. gonna be a uh, like like you said, a different sort of sound world or soundscape that um they're hearing for the first time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah you never know how they're gonna respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Cool. You've shared with me, and please let me know if this is uh really private information. But you you, you spoke to me about how you had the opportunity to actually further your studies elsewhere abroad. Mm. And the reason why things couldn't work out was that you said at the end of it, you'll come back, you were to become a teacher. Hmm. So what is it about this role as working as a teacher or an educator that resonates with you so much that perhaps hmm. even after, because I, I'm sure perhaps if you spend a, a few years overseas, when you come back, you could be doing sort of more Kind of band directing work or more uh, composition work, what whatever it is, however you want to design a career, right? But there's this thing about being a teacher or being an educator that you you chose to stick by. Yeah, why is that? I've always wanted to become a teacher, you know, uh, to begin with when I was uh, in primary school. Actually, I mm. thought of myself becoming a Chinese teacher. Can you believe it? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. When I was in primary school, yeah. I, I, I've got a very good... Uh, Chinese teacher uh, in my primary school um, mm. uh, super nice uh, lady and and she happens to be music trained as well so she was once my music teacher you know when I was mm. in primary I think I, I don't know four or five you know something like that um, so her influence on me is definitely quite great right um, and and because of her also I, I really want to um, teach right um, for me I enjoy student interaction i enjoy sharing my ideas my whatever i've learned with them and it's always so nice to see them um, progress right when they start with like nothing and then eventually they manage to do something really impacting their lives so mm. to me um that is important so even if i'm a band director let's say i'm a band director i will still be interacting with students who are supposed to be in a way in the, in the educator industry. I, I cannot mm. imagine myself in a non-education industry, really. I, I, I've never thought about it. You okay. know? So if you ask me to be to, to go overseas to study and then come back, be a, be a freelance, I don't know, co- composition, a composer, sorry, or, mm. or, or doing something that is very different, you know, sound production, mm. something like that. Um, I, I don't think I'll be comfortable I don't okay. think I will be happy. Right. right. Um, so um, I think the idea of uh, wanting to become a teacher from the very young has, in a way, sort of decided my life. So, so that's important. And, and that's why, you know, um, study or not, I, I will still come back into teaching. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because this is really what I want to do. Right. Nothing yeah. very special, but yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Sort of, that's where you can make the most impact, I think, as well, yeah. like to, to achieve like what you want to do. And, yeah. you know, uh, being, of course, I, I don't know if you had experience playing, uh, teaching general music, 
Mm. But there, there is still this label around the our general music syllabus in schools that mm. is a is a lesser subject, right? It's a uh, it's a, a period uh, where students get to enjoy their corn <laughs> and not do very much and just <laughs> relax. Yeah, right. So, uh, what what are your your thoughts about that? And are, are there going to be or do you foresee any sort of changes in that side of uh, music education? Hmm. I, I think the general music scene, um, okay, I've been teaching general music for, for quite a while. Um, in fact, every every year, uh, I, I have general music classes, you know, except for this year, you know, because of my workload, I have to forego one, mm. uh, one, uh, one aspect of general music. So um, I, I think over the years, um, things have changed uh, quite a bit. Um, I think the ministry or the arts education branch, they, they've done a very good job in, in molding the, the syllabus, right? So definitely they are trying to bridge, you know, in terms of the, the gap, you know, like from, from uh, general music and then hopefully, you know, they are eventually to go higher music education next time, you know. So good things are really happening. But I, I think what is really creating this kind of, um, you know, uh, seeing labeling uh, general music as a lesser subject, it depends a lot on the mentality of um, uh, the adults, I must say. Mm. Um, I mean, because, I mean, we're all adults, you know, we may not have had a very good uh, general music experience last time, right? And we're talking about last time. Maybe it's not that developed. And and, and I think in primary school, we, we have got, um, and it's quite factual, okay? Uh, we have got cases where where teachers are not trained to teach general music to begin with okay. in the past, right? So right. we have subject teachers, the their main subjects, uh, could be English, Chinese, or science, and then we just need a music teacher, right, to to mm. teach the curriculum. So, oh, you have a piano background, you know, mm. why not you go and teach general music? Okay. So, right. This has always been uh, quite, um, I would say, quite, quite prevalent in, in yeah. the older days, right? Mm. Um, but of course, nowadays we have more music graduates. We have like legit music teachers mm. trying to craft the program. So I think we just need. Um, the adults or, or even the, the, the teachers you know sometimes non-music teachers in school they'll be like hey uh, music very free right can I take over your lesson you know that kind uh, of thing yeah the, their mentality needs to change you know um, mm. we have evolved they need to evolve as well right yeah. this is something that and, and whenever a teacher comes to me and say that I will, I will stare at them <laughs> and I'll be like yeah. do you want to re we say what you say, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the absolutely. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really a mentality kind of thing, uh, a mental mentality kind of a situation over here. So, mm. uh, I, I I can confidently say now that uh, the general music program, uh, in fact, you know, MOE has stopped calling it general music. They they call it like for example the lower secondary music. Okay. They call it the lower secondary music program. Right. Um, quite a lot of uh, good stuff in there, and mm. I think ultimately whether or not it's going to work. Depends on the school, uh, depends yeah. on the teacher as well. You know, mm. um, I think AB can come up with fantastic SOWs like the scheme of work or the work plans and, and mm. ideas to to put in, right? Mm. But at the end of the day, if let's say the school has got zero focus on yeah. music, then it becomes a problem, yeah, right? And they don't implement all yes. these structures and frameworks. That is right, yeah, because yeah. They, I, I think there's only so much that I think AB can do, and I think they are, they have they've already provided a lot of uh, assistance. Right. Ultimately, mm. whoever that carries it out will decide whether or not that program is going to work. Right. Yeah. Mm. So I, I think it's important for for schools, uh, school staff, school leaders, and even to to really think about um, how important music education is. You know, it's mm. not just another subject. I, I think the, the reason why they are they are labeling it as not important because it is not examinable. <laughs> yeah, with most things, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Simply because it's not examinable, yeah. and we don't have a, a a test on an exam to see yeah. whether you are proficient or not. Yeah. Therefore, right. it's like pushed aside. That yeah. is right. Yeah, because of I mean historical reasons, right? We are so uh, exam oriented. We need to score well, and it it doesn't help that parents are also seeing it in this manner. Mm. I I mean it's a cycle. I, I I'm not saying that you know we, we need to correct it, but I think the awareness of that is important. Right, yeah. uh, because we are so you know living in a meritocracy and society, right? Um, mm. it's so important, uh, to parents, to students, to, to be doing well in examinable subject, and then the not so important one will be the one that's not examined, right? Yeah, 
but for sure. they, they need to see the value, you know, all the, the soft skills that comes with, with it. Mm. All right. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. I, I, and, and I always tell students, you know, if you involve yourself in CCAs, in, in music programs, uh, and you do well in it, um, do well as in not the graded kind of well, but you know, you, you, you lead the group, you contribute mm. a lot. If you go and apply for a job in the future, I, I will, I will consider that because that, that is what will stand out from you compared to the rest of the peers. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. You've taken music, you've achieved so much, the other guy also achieved so much, but you have one thing that is special in you. You mm. you have, you know, done music, you have learned about music. Yeah. Right? So, absolutely. They will definitely be, you know, um, at, at a slight advantage, I would say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, you know, with this uh, increased sort of like um, better structure, better content of uh, music in schools, hopefully when these people, uh, these current students who are experiencing this now, when they grow up to be become parents themselves, they would understand the, mm. the importance and the impact it has on uh, their child or a, a young person. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. now, w- would you say that at this point in your career, you have found a good balance in the variety of things that you are doing. Mm. Are there things that you would like to adjust certain percentages up a little bit, decrease something a little bit? Yeah. Uh, are you in a good place now? Or Yeah, I, I think I'm quite happy with my life now. It, it's not perfect. Um, of course, musically speaking, I think I'm quite happy. You know, I mm. get to do my teaching uh, in school. I get to teach... Uh, um, cool subjects, right? I mean, to me, you know, being able to teach uh, IB music, you know, to be exploring and experimenting together with the students, uh, going through the journey with them, to me, it's fresh, it's new, it's exciting. Um, to be able to uh, teaching in a school where music education is uh, very, very supported, very well supported, I, I must say, I'm, I'm very lucky, you know. Mm. Um, at the same time, I get to compose once in a while when gigs comes in, right? Um, I also get to uh, conduct bands, right? Visiting bands, you know, um, uh, advising bands, going down for workshops, training mm. bands. I mean, these are things that I I I would have done if I'm not a, a school teacher, right? Going to band mm. scene and, and contributing whatever that that I enjoy, you know. Mm. Um. So basically, I've got like every bits of it on my plate. In a way, so yeah. I'm not complaining. Uh, I well, I may complain once in a while when I cannot visit <laughs> Thailand, um, <laughs> right? You know, because sometimes I, I, I think I need that that little breather, right? Mm. Something that's non-music. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I think I've been quite lucky so far, and I think the balance is pretty much okay for me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's just fantastic to hear, right? Being at yeah. a place whereby you feel like you are making the most amount of contribution that you can work-wise, mm. at yeah. least. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Now, uh, we, we're going to round up this interview really quickly, but before mm. we go off, go off, is there any advice, uh, guiding principles, uh, ethos that you have held in your career that you think is useful to share with uh, younger listeners who are perhaps trying, still honing their craft, still in school, or still kind of sort of in the very early stages na- navigating the, the industry? Uh, anything that you like to share with them? Um, I think one thing that uh, was important or was a crucial step to me was uh, to, to be daring to, to take up things. Um, like, like, for example, you know, I, I hesitated when, when I was um, looking at the uh, Frank Tickelli composition contest. I'd be like, okay, am I good enough? You know, should I go for the contest? You know, it looks like it's contest for other people. I don't mm. think any other Singaporeans will, will do this. Should I? You know, all this like doubts, right? Mm. But for me at the time, I I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to hack that. I'm not going to lose anything, right? There's, there's no yeah. harm taking part, you know? And I always mm. tell students till, till today, um, when there's opportunities in front of you, you go for it. If you fail, it's, it doesn't matter. It's not like you have paid millions of dollars just to have that opportunity, right? If it's yeah. free, for example, mm. go for it. You have a fifty percent chance of of being successful in it, and fifty percent chance of you know not being successful, right? Yeah. So if you have a 50-50, why not? There's nothing to mm. lose, you know. Yeah. So I would say that for the younger ones, if you have opportunities in front of you, um, you have um, I mean, platforms, right, like contest, um, or you have uh, 
you, you see a channel where you can get your composition performed, mm. go and speak to people, right? Um, and if you if you're writing any compositions right now, you you are so like dying for 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 it to be tested out, right? Um, go and approach uh, the conductors out there, right? Uh, in in the scene, be your own conductor or or a band that you you always wants to be part of because you love them mm. so much maybe you can write in to the conductor and and, and ask right um, yeah. whether or not you can try out my pieces you know I, I really want to I hope that this piece can, can work and I hope to learn something from this would you be able to help I think any um, educators out there any good educators out there will be willing to to help out you know unless there there is a very strong reasons for, for that not happening mm. you know mm. so it yeah, it doesn't hurt to to just ask and and, and just try. Yeah, uh, because I have been I've been through that process and and I think because of my first step, it has sort of like you know uh, led me to where I am today. I would say so. I, mm. I was very thankful then that you know people around me that time was like you know just just try it, right? Mm. My my mentor, okay. uh, my conductor mentor was also you know uh, one who takes a lot of risk. You know, um, yeah. just go for it, try it out. You never know. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So I think this is uh, very important, really, yeah. you know, to be successful. Mm. And ultimately, mm. the, the question we ask ourselves is, what is the worst that can happen, right? Yeah. When we try and we don't get it, what's the worst that can happen? We don't get it. That, that's about it, right? That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But at least you know you, you know? tried, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then and a lot of, I think a lot of times um, we, we only hear success stories, right? Nobody knows like, oh, how many times did this person attempted to be good or get recognition or work on their craft before they actually hit that curve past mm. the to reach a point where you get recognition or you get success? Yeah, so you got to start somewhere, I right? Yeah, and absolutely, mm. yeah, yeah. Good, and I think this is a good time for us to wrap this up. And thank you for being so generous, staying with me uh, for this last two hours to to talk to me, <laughs> answer my questions, uh, share about your experiences, yeah. and all those stuff. Thank you, thank you. I think it's very nice for me to uh, talk about it. it. It brings back a lot of very nice memories as well. <laughs> Great, I'm I'm glad that uh, it has done that for you, and uh, it's fantastic for me, and I think for all the listeners to just learn more about you, uh, not just as a composer. Uh, as a person, your, your own interests, your own uh, thoughts. Uh, and I think, yeah, everyone will have a, a deeper understanding uh, mm. towards you after this episode gets at. Yeah. So uh, once again, uh, Benji, thanks so much for taking time out to do this. I really, really appreciate this. And for, like I said, going uh, over time with me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So for all of you listening, Thank you for staying with us throughout this episode. And most importantly, thank you for your attention. It is very much appreciated. And with that, we'll sign off on this episode of You Play A What. You have been listening to You Play A What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algirdas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play or What? Until next time. Oh, 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 oh,